0: Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient
1: has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at corient.com.
2: The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career usbp.
1: Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter.
2: And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com podcasters to get started.
3: Welcome to On the Birds. This is Zach Spedden. joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's episode, we're happy to welcome back the Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Flood, who is joining us from Florida. Uh, Matt, how are you? Hey guys,
0: Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me, good to see you again.
3: Well, thank you for coming back on the show. And just to kind of, we're in spring training right now, just to give our listeners a sense, what is a typical spring training like for you?
0: Uh, It's long, uh, but it's warm. Uh, it's, uh, It's actually very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable to be down here. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. I've been here for three weeks now i got a few more to go. Uh, The weather is warm. Uh, I know what it's like in Baltimore right now. Although I think today was a nice day there from the reports I got from my my family. But um, it's been around 70 to 80 degrees most days. And, uh, you know, we we usually start the day with some meetings uh, and then uh, get out on the field. I like to be out on the field with the uh, staff and the players out there for most of the day. Come back in, eat some lunch. Uh, have some more meetings, Uh, go back to the hotel, or every now and then maybe play some golf, you know, if if that's possible. Uh, Also, we set up pretty regular staff outing type of things, like uh, staff beach volleyball at Siesta Key, which is really nice, staff basketball. Uh, Try to, uh, you know, keep, keep everyone together, energized, have a good time.
4: That sounds like a lot of fun for sure. In your mind, what went well in the farm system last year, and what do you want to see the organization as a whole improve on in twenty twenty two?
0: Well, let's go with the obvious. What went well is we got to play. You know, we got a we got a full season in, and uh, I think we had kind of taken that for granted before. uh, But you know, twenty twenty taught us you know better and. So we were able to play all of last year, and we had uh, a lot of good performances throughout the minor leagues. I think we were able to see our, our hitting department uh, make some strides. Uh, that was really uh, encouraging because we did put a lot of work into that, uh, You know, following up the, the progress that the pitching department had made the year before. So uh, really just overall, it was great to play a full season. It was great to get some of our philosophies off the ground. And uh, I think we had a lot of success.
2: Do you feel like now that we're two years now removed from 2020 uh, and even last year, I know there were some hiccups to start the year. But do you feel like from a player development standpoint, things are back to, quote unquote, normal, whatever that may be in today's world? Uh, or there's still some areas that, that you see like the organization is still catching up on after that 2020 layoff?
0: Uh, it's pretty close to normal. I mean, we, we're still, we're ironing out some kinks. Uh, there's still some protocols in place uh, that make things not as easy to do. Uh, things like you would in the past, uh, you know, you, we, we, we have less space now available to us to use because we have to spread out a little more. Uh, the food situation is a little different than in the past, but not for the most part, uh, I, I think we're off and running and Uh, you know we feel we feel pretty normal and that's uh, that's really really nice
2: good to hear Um, let's talk about some specific players now and one of our favorites I know he's one of your favorites as well uh, reports this spring on Joey Ortiz have been really positive seen some good videos some good images of him uh, healthy again after that surgery do you think he's back to where he was before that surgery or is he even better look after that surgery
0: well, I mean, it's too early to really say he's even better, but I can tell you that he's moving around really well. He's energetic. Uh, he, he is himself, uh, who is a lot of fun to be around and a lot of fun to watch. He's already made some incredible defensive plays uh, in our a few of our sim games. Uh, he's always one that staff or those around notice during, you know, defensive drills, uh, and the players really respect this guy, so – you know, we'll see how, how the season goes for him, but you know, having him back healthy and in good spirits is uh, step one.
3: You know, we, we all know the kind of the hype with Adley Rutzman and given how close he is to the major leagues right now, it seems like that buzz is only growing this spring. What are you seeing from him and how is he staying focused through camp?
0: You know, Adley's dealt with that I think for a while now. Uh, and to his, one thing that's really special about Adley grutchman is he has this ability to stay present, uh, to control what he can control, to be where his feet are, and to take advantage of every opportunity that is in front of him. So he's not worried about those things. Uh, he's not worried about where he's going to be placed. He's not really worried about the expectations. He's mostly focused on that day's work uh, that he needs to put in. And he's focused on being a great leader, which he is. So, you know, Ad- Adley is just going to do what he needs to do uh, at all times. And that's really, you know, it's it's cliche to say and it's what you want. Uh, but he, he demonstrates that, which is uh, pretty special.
4: And in a similar vein, Grayson Rodriguez has now seemed to be just considered the best pitching prospect in baseball by everybody, and even number three overall for Fangraphs. Looks like he'll open the year in the high minors. There's, he's pretty polished as it is, but what does he need to work on before he makes his major league debut?
0: His polish, you know, he still hasn't hasn't pitched in Triple A. Uh, major league baseball is really hard. Uh, the hitters there are really good, and it's it's really with someone with his skill set and those you know, both offensively and on the mound, who are that talented, the next step is just doing it more consistently, and that's essentially what polish means. Uh, so for him, it's just corralling what he has and what he can do, and the more consistently he can execute, the more successful he's going to be, and so that's what he'll be working on.
4: How was it, uh, How impressive was it that Kyle Stowers looked like he hit a bomb off of him in a in a sim game?
0: Yeah, three run home run off the top of the batting cage uh, over right field, which might have been a Utah Street home run nice. uh, in Baltimore. I don't know, but uh, it was uh, very, very impressive. Those two guys have competed with each other for a while now. They're 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 great friends, but also uh, when they when it comes time to facing each other, it's a battle. And Stowers got him that time, but uh, I'm sure Grayson has won that battle a few other times. <laughs>
2: um, another top pitching prospect in the system, a guy that everyone's equally as excited about is DL Hall. Uh, unfortunately, because of the lockout, you know, we didn't really get to hear a whole lot about his progress uh, after last season. But um, have you been able to see DL Hall's progress since the lockout is over? And do you think he has a chance to make the major leagues this year? Or are you guys just focused on a full healthy year and, and make double A, maybe triple A this
0: year? Yeah, today was the first day that I've seen DL in person. Uh, I did not see him throw saw him in the clubhouse. He looks great. He's in good spirits. Uh, so it's way too early for me to really say, uh, how he looks, uh, on the field. Uh, but you know, he's, he is coming off an injury. He's coming off of not throwing a ton of innings last year. So, you know, your question about the major leagues, you know, let's be realistic there, uh, in terms of, of him needing to, to still pitch some and, and, uh, you know, progress and build up, uh, but we're very excited that he's he's uh, back and, and looking forward to him pitching this year.
3: Heston uh really has been making progress back from myocarditis. He had a little bit of a setback with the hamstring issue, but prior to that, how did he look in camp?
0: He's, he's a joy to be around. Let me just say that first. Uh, he's had a great attitude. Uh, he has come to the field every day. He, he he cuts up with the players. He's got a great competitive um, way and banter about him, and uh, he works hard. Uh, he looks great physically. Uh, he's been playing good defense in the outfield and, and having good at-bats. So uh, I've been very pleased with uh, what I've gotten to see out of him, you know, both – defensively and at the plate and with his work ethic uh, so far this spring.
4: Turn our attention to Gunnar Henderson. He got a short stint at W Bowie to end the year. And he played great in that championship series. How important was it for him to to play in that situation? And do you expect it to help him transition to facing more advanced competition this year?
0: If you can't tell, we're very uh, much on the train of let's challenge Gunnar Henderson. Uh, we like to push him because we know that that's what motivates him. Like he he very much uh, loves challenges. Uh, he loves to compete and and to face uh, tough competition. And uh, sometimes sometimes you know he gets punched in the in the mouth a little bit. You saw that last year, and that's where he really learns and responds. And and so I think moving him to Double A last year, he actually played really well. Uh, for them in, in that playoff series, uh, and I think it was a great experience for him, uh, just being around our upper level players. You know, going back to the alternate site, uh, and then you know players like Jordan Westberg and, and Adley and you know Stowers and so on and so forth, uh, has helped him mature uh, mentally, and and then just these challenges are driving him to make improvements. You know, to his game and absolutely it's what he needs for his development
4: yeah i think the last time you were on was right after his rough two weeks in aberdeen the first two weeks and then from there he was he was pretty good pretty good
0: it's a hard it's a hard game it's not the last time he's going to go through a struggle like that i'm i'm pretty sure
2: yeah we also enjoyed we had tim dijon on a couple weeks ago and i know we talked about gunner and he mentioned the 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 work that the, the mental skills coaching side of the, what the Orioles implemented was was big for Gunner as well. Um, so good to hear all of that. But uh, you mentioned Kyle Stowers, talked about him in Grayson's battle, but he had an extremely impressive 2021 campaign, broke out one of the fastest rising prospects in the system for especially a lot of fans who maybe didn't really know too much about him last year. Um, but what drove that breakout last season for, for Kyle Stowers? And where can he still improve this year as he is now on the doorsteps of the major leagues?
0: Stowers put in a ton of work during uh, the COVID off year. Uh, and then he came to instructional league. If you remember, he didn't come to the alternate site. And you know, I think I motivated him a little bit. Uh, and then he he came to instructional league, and then he he realized exactly what he needed to do, and he came to last spring training, ready to go. And I also think he spent a lot of time with some of our really good coaches and learned a lot about himself and and how to optimize what he does well, which is hit the ball really hard. Uh, it's really as hard as anyone in our org on a consistent basis. Uh, and he swung at the right pitches, and he hit a lot of balls really hard. So for him, I think it's just continuing to improve uh, his his overall consistency of of uh, making solid contact, and uh, the more often he does that, the more success he's going to have. You guys mentioned Tim dejean I, I I don't know why you have any other podcast guests. So you should just <laughs> invite him every week, and then
3: you'll yeah, have he'll be
4: week. our fourth wheel.
3: <laughs> he was great on the show. Um, another guest we had on a, a while back was Kobe Perez, and we've really been excited to watch the progress in the DWdeals international scouting efforts have made and how that's translated to the player development system. It feels like this year could be a particularly special year in Del Marva, uh, looking at some of the players that could move up, as well as Miss De who ended the year there and looks like he could be back there. So, Looking at Delmarva's, you know, looking ahead a little bit, how excited should fans be about what the Stormbirds uh, could have this year?
0: If you are a fan of our organization and you follow it, then you should be pretty excited for the fact that Del Marva is going to have a heavy influence of Latin American players and what that means for the progress of our organization and what, what Mike Elias has has created here. Uh and you'll notice that we hired um, a significant amount of staff this uh this year that have diverse backgrounds and there in Del Marva, you know, we're gonna have multiple fully Spanish speaking staff as well as others that, that understand the language. So that group in Del Marva is going to be fully supported uh by the staff and uh I you know the entire organization. So uh, it's going to be really fun to see a team uh, with a heavy influence of uh, Latin American players uh, start to creep into a full season baseball.
4: If you could pick one player that you expect to, to be at Marva, at least at some point this year, to break out and maybe, you know, burst onto the scene up to the top 30 prospects this year, who who would it be?
0: You know, the two guys that I really enjoy being around and watching play are the the infielder Isaac Deson, uh, Isaac De Leon, uh, and then the outfielder you, you mentioned, him Misael Desan. Uh, both of these guys are big, physical, athletic dudes with tools, and you know the sky's the limit for both of them. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna challenge them. We're gonna give them every opportunity we can. And uh, it's good; they'll be fun to watch.
4: Some pretty good trading there by Michael Lysd to, to land those two guys. And on a different note, with the shortened spring training, does that make it harder for someone like Kyle Bradish or Michael Bauman to earn a spot in the major league rotation, just because there's not that ramp up, or are they pretty much on the same playing field as everybody else coming to camp?
0: Uh oh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if I can answer that appropriately. I mean, I, I think that they're here just like everyone else uh they both have electric stuff uh if all things are equal i think that they should have a chance you know but uh that's more a question i think is steered towards uh mike elias and, and brandon brandon hyde and chris holt
2: that's fair. What, what did you see from Cal you know, Bradish last year? Because he was kind of this relative unknown uh, after the trade with L.A., uh, but I know he got, received a lot of hype from yourself and others going into the year, uh, you know, comparisons, not comparisons, but, you know, putting him on this level, you know, close to Grace Rodriguez and D.L. Hall in terms of talent. And then he came out, dominated double A, had ups and downs in triple A, but ended the year as, one of, I think, one of the top pitchers in all of minor league baseball over his last five or six starts. Um, what did you see out of him as he progressed through the year in AAA?
0: Well, he has really good raw stuff, and that's why I say uh, he, he's he's kind of right there behind you know those two horses because his his stuff and the way that hitters uh, react to facing his stuff is similar. Like they don't like they don't like hitting off of uh, Kyle Bradish, so for him it's it's about polish, you know, it's about. Uh, consistently repeating and executing that excellent raw stuff. And I think you saw in double a, he didn't have to execute it quite as uh, precisely. And he dominated that level. He goes to triple a where hitters are a little bit better and he wasn't as sharp and they, you know, they, he got, he didn't get away with it as much. So then he realized that and he made some adjustments and he started to get better. And that's essentially what player development's all about. So we, we saw that last year and our hope, you know, is that we continue to see that as, as uh, he, wherever he lands uh, this spring and then, you know, continuing to improve his ability to execute pitches.
2: Another pitcher who Orioles fans, I think a lot of Orioles fans are still excited about Dean Kramer. And uh, he had a rough 2021 at the major leagues and in triple a little bit of ups and downs there, but He's got that good track record in the minor leagues, and we saw that potential that he flashed when he made his pro debut back in 2022, MLB debut. Um, do you think his struggles were more about him just being in his own head, or what are you all working with with Kramer on as uh, the spring training begins?
0: Yeah, that'd be another good question, I think, more for for Chris Holt uh, and maybe even Justin Ramsey. I mean, he, last year was a tough year for you know a few guys, and, you know, I don't really want to speculate on exactly why I'm, I'm not going to say he was in his head. I'm not going to say it was something else. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really hard game. And and for whatever reason, he didn't have as good a season as he probably would have liked to have had. Uh, I imagine he's put in a lot of work. Uh, I saw I saw him today. He looks good physically and we'll, we'll see how, uh, you know, how how he comes out this spring.
3: Looking at uh, position players are a little lower in the minor leagues, Colton Cowser was obviously excellent after coming into the system last year out of the draft. And from what we've seen and what we've heard, it looks like he's put on some good weight over the offseason and might be able to tap into that power a little bit more. Um, what will he need to work on this year, and how far do you think he is from the major leagues at this point?
0: Well, he needs to play – I mean, I said this about – Adley, he needs to play a full minor league season and go through that challenge. It's a real challenge to play a full minor league season, play every day, go through the ups and the downs, uh, not feeling great and still having to play, facing pitchers multiple times over a season, Uh, you know, facing teams that game plan against you. So. For him, it's it's experiencing all the things that go into playing a full season, and that's really what uh, it's going to be his challenge. Uh, but in terms of his skill set, uh, he's got you know everything that you're looking for. Uh, a lot of feel to hit, which is really exciting. He's a joy to be around. Uh, you know, this is a guy that Oriole fans should be excited about and, and should you know go out and watch because he can do a lot of things
4: seems like a great personality out there. I don't think staying loose will be a, will be an issue for him.
0: Well, they get along so well. All, all the play it's it's really amazing. I was talking with Adley about this in the outfield a couple weeks ago uh, and, and just the camaraderie amongst that group. It's very much a a brotherhood where, you know, they they get on each other and kind of make fun of each other and then when it's time to compete, it's cutthroat in a the most healthy way possible. And that's that's pretty uh, that's a pretty special thing to, to be a part of. And the players recognize it, which is kind of cool.
4: Where does that come from? Is that uh, something the organization is putting effort into or is just this group of guys just happens to get along real good?
0: I think it's a combination. Uh, I think it's a combination of having drafted guys with really good makeup. You know, it starts when you, you have a guy like Adley, who's just an incredible makeup guy. And then you start surrounding him with others, and then the organization has some values that we preach and that we try to encourage, uh, and they hear it and they latch on to it, and it just sort of snowballs and, and builds upon itself. But you know, the credit really is is with them and, and owning it and, and wanting to create this culture of of this this group of guys who are going to one day compete for you know a World Series.
2: One of those names that I hope is on that World Series winning roster, one of my favorite guys in this entire system, is Kobe Mayo. Um, his upside appears to be through the roof. Uh, what did he impress – what impressed you most about him last season, his first little taste of, of pro ball there?
0: It impressed me how well he handled uh, Delmarva, to be honest. I mean, he was young uh, and had never really played or faced professional pitching before. Uh, he, he handled the FCL pretty well. And then we thought, you know what, let's send them up to uh, Del Marva with uh, the rest of those newly drafted players and, you know, give him a taste and see, you know, see how that challenge is. And he was one of the better players there, obviously. Uh, and he hit very, very well and consistently. So that was uh, really exciting to me. You know, I've been very impressed with his maturity mentally uh and the way that he handles himself on a day in and day out basis for for a young a young guy uh people respect him and he he comes to work you know every day so uh very very impressed with the full package with kobe mayo
2: yes what about i feel like we have to ask i know eric garfield's watching uh so this this one's for eric um kobe mayo you know a lot of talk you know prospect outlets talk about Kobe Mayo potentially moving to the outfield down the road. And we know this is a discussion, you know, years in the making, but um, as a third baseman uh, what, what kind of skill set does he bring to the, to the hot quarter over there?
0: Well, the most obvious thing is he has an 80 arm, as we like to say. Uh, I think you guys are familiar with the scouting term, but uh, he has a bazooka at third base and he throws very true from a high slot and it comes across very straight. uh, And that stands out. He is tall. uh, He is big and he's probably going to get a little bit bigger, uh, but he's athletic and he works at it. He wants to be a a good defensive player. So, you know, I I think he has all the skills to play third base. uh, And and ultimately uh, only one person can play third base when you're on the major league team. And that I think will be what determines where, where he plays ultimately, but he's, He's uh, athletic and skilled and has a lot of tools to be versatile. So we'll see what happens. He's still still pretty young, and we have a lot of time to figure that out.
4: Another guy we're pretty high on, and maybe even higher on him than anyone, is uh, Gene Pinto. Are, are we justified in feeling that way? I know Baseball prospectus mentioned his size and his velocity is limiting factors to him sticking in the rotation long term, but uh, we like him a lot.
0: He's performed well so far, hasn't he? yeah <laughs> and he's got a pitch that hitters don't like and that's good uh and we'll keep working on the rest so yeah you you should be uh you were you were right to be excited about him you know baseball is hard so we'll, we'll see what happens but uh so far uh that's been a pretty nice return you know in that trade
3: Jordan Westberg really, I think, impressed a lot of people last year because he's someone who can play all over the infield dirt, has a good combination of power and speed. And, you know, it sounds like his makeup is another guy that's, you know, off the charts. Um, But he was challenged a little bit. You kind of saw him go through some ups and downs last year. What impressed you with the way that he handled that? And what do you see for him this year?
0: Well, he played at three levels last year, which is not easy to do uh and what impresses me about Jordan is he is the same guy every single day. He's the same guy no matter what. He's a he's a real professional. Uh he's he's steady and he he's focused, you know. So uh yeah, he he went through struggles just like everybody else. Like I, I've said a bunch of times already on this call, baseball's hard. Um uh, but you wouldn't know it uh, from the way that he carries himself, I think I even saw him get hit in the face with a ball last year, and his whole f- face was swollen up, and he was still trying to play, and he was, he was trying to talk to me like there was nothing wrong, and uh, you couldn't even, couldn't even open his left eye. Um, you know, he, that's just that's just who he is. He's he's a grinder. He's he's highly competitive. He has high expectations of himself, but uh, he stays very level uh, when it comes to uh, his demeanor and in the way that he carries himself.
2: Uh, Another guy who was in Bowie, but in the rotation side, um, this is Kyle Branovich. I got to ask about Kyle because he's been getting a lot of love recently. He's a guy that I know I watched him a lot in college at Elon being a JMU grad. I'm glad he's on on my team now that I get to cheer for him instead of against him. Um, But what is it that makes Branovich so deceptive and so have that dominant year he did in Bowie last year in his first pro season? Um, what is it that sticks out with him?
0: Well, what sticks out is that he can pitch. He's got multiple weapons uh, that he can attack you with. So, you know, the hitters have a hard time canceling out one pitch or another pitch and just looking for something specific. So hitters are a little bit off balance with with who he is, and he's he's looked very uh, very good. I you know I, maybe it's Eric Birdland who uh, has told you about him looking good. I'm not sure, but he has had some very good outings uh, so far for us uh, this spring. Uh, breaking ball, fastball, I mean everything. He's he's someone that he's someone that I'm I'm excited to see throwing some some real games.
2: Uh, And then going back, thank you again for your time again, Uh, but a couple more questions. Of course. Going down even lower to lower levels of the minor leagues, looking ahead to the FCL season, um, can you give us some names, some guys that that you like, uh, guys that Orioles fans should be on the lookout for uh, that could start the year in the FCL a little bit later? Maybe some younger international guys who are really popping or could really pop in and explode this year onto the scene.
0: Well, the obvious guys are, you know, Samuel Basayo and and Michael Hernandez. Uh, You know, those two guys hopefully will will make their way over uh, sometime in April. And uh, we'll we'll get to play there in Florida. And, uh, you know, they're two very talented uh, guys who are obviously, uh, you know, talked about a lot. Uh, I would say... De Los Santos, the other infielder who had a really good uh, DSL last year. Uh, he's someone to, to, to keep an eye on. Uh, he, he plays multiple positions and he's got a really good field to hit. Uh, so I would uh, I'd add him to that list as well.
4: All right just a, just two more for you. I, I heard you talk about how Adam Hall could be this year's surprise player. he came into camp looking pretty good. Obviously had a little bit of a rough year. We were a little hard on him last year, but what has he done to uh, make strides in that department and try to get back on track?
0: Yeah. I, you know, I said that cause he's physically looks great. <coughs> he's running well. He's had a great attitude and uh, he's been performing pretty well in, uh, in practice and games. Uh, I think he's, he's been sort of reinvigorated and uh, feels like he's, you know, he, he's got something to prove a little bit. Uh, he's also got a lot of competition around him. So uh, I uh, just had this feeling that there's a chance he, he might have a little resurgence this year and uh, and get back, you know, on the map a little bit.
3: One question I, I do have about it. him oh, go ahead, real sir. quick, and then I'll let Bob wrap this up. Um, we saw him become a little bit more versatile last year by playing some outfield in addition to the middle infield, how do you think he handled that? And is that something you plan to keep doing with him going forward?
0: I think he handled it beautifully. And I I think he wants to play. And what we say to him and anyone else is the more positions you can play, the better chance you have to play. Because only one person can play shortstop. Only one person can play second base. Only one person can play wherever. If you can play them all, then you can you can get in that lineup. So uh, he has that versatility. He can play all those positions: center field, out, you know, left field, right field, wherever. Uh, and the first day he showed up, he asked me. He said, "Where do you want me to spend most of my time?" And and I said, you, "You're going to need to spend your time a lot of places. So you know, get as many reps as you can in center field during batting practice, and go work in the infield. You know, during." uh other times so he's, he's getting his his work in all over and uh yes maybe you, you look at what could be the buoy roster this coming year uh you know he's going to need to play uh all over because shortstop is going to be very uh crowded
4: yeah it's crazy how deep this system is there's so many guys we didn't even get a chance to talk about drew rom zach Peake, who i wrote about today you know the list goes on Connor of norby Taren vavra but Completely off topic. What are the odds that Michael iris would be willing to come on this podcast? And could you put in a, a good word for us?
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, he's pretty busy, guy. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I don't know. I will talk to him, but I, I wouldn't keep your yeah. I get the hopes up on that one. He's he's pretty busy, and um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get your hopes up on that. One.
4: <laughs> of course, of course. No, can't thank you enough for coming on.
0: I want to tell Zach thanks for uh, for coaching my kids in Bolo Bolo uh, City for Flag Football. That's really uh, really awesome. I'm going to volunteer for that, and my boys have a blast going to that.
3: Oh, my pleasure. They're great kids, and enjoy doing that every Saturday.
0: That's awesome.
3: Well, Matt, thank you for coming on, and I think our live stream viewers, and I think the three of us appreciate that you brought the best background that you could bring to this show. <laughs> no one's going to top that. Obviously, the three of us are not going to top that tonight. I don't think anybody's going to top that for the rest of this year. So good job.
0: Yeah, this is uh, it's a good spot. The Sarasota Modern Hotel in uh, Sarasota. They, they treat me very well.
4: Love nice. it. All right. well, thank well Maybe you. we can get you back on uh, midseason or something like that.
3: All right, that'd be great. Well, thank you, Matt. All right, guys. uh,
4: All right. See you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. That was uh, Matt Blood, the director of player development for the Orioles. And before we move on to our next topics tonight, just a little bit of reaction there, and I'll start with Nick.
2: I want baseball to be be played right now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to watch these guys live. yeah, you know, a lot of good information there. Guys being challenged. Uh, clearly, like you said, um, Orioles like to challenge these guys. And hopefully we see that with, you know, some aggressive assignments this year uh, as well. That'll be interesting to see when these rosters get released where guys end up. But, yeah, it sounds like, you know, you hear Maplet talk and, you know, it's, it's nice. It's comforting um, that this organization is doing a lot of things the right way. Um, guys are they're putting guys in the right position. They're surrounding them with, with the right coaches and instructors and and resources. And, um,
4: yeah, it just makes me extremely excited for baseball to start here in just a couple of days, really. There's really only one thing I got from this interview was uh, Carlos Correa's imminently signing in Baltimore. Uh, No. Uh, That was was a lot of fun. I could talk to Matt Blood every week. I mean, the guy is just a fountain of knowledge when it comes to this system and just wish we could have gone longer. I just love talking to the guy.
3: Yeah when when you listen to people like Matt Blood and Tim Dijon and really anybody from the Orioles system that has been on the show you just get the sense that everything is heading in the right direction things aren't siloed there's this, is a cohesive plan in place and that's always reassuring.
4: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Like I said before on the show that you know we spend every Monday uh, this week, Monday and Tuesday, <laughs> talking about uh, join us tomorrow night live too. Um, talking about, you know, the players in the system and putting the highlights out and highlighting the guys, the work they do on the field. But I think the behind the scenes work is what I've been most impressed with with this organization. And honestly, I, I feel like we should spend more time and bring more of the coaches and instructors on so they can tell their story, because I think Orioles fans uh, would greatly enjoy that because clearly uh, they're doing a lot of things right. You know, uh, maybe we're too positive sometimes, but. I'll take it because I I really enjoy what I see. I enjoy the product on the field.
4: Yeah, 100%. And I love the fact that he talked about these guys just get along so good. And, I mean, maybe that's the X factor that's going to really turn things, you know, to a a playoff contender, a World Series contender, as if, you know, we got all the talent in the world. But if they can gel and and really work together well the way they have throughout the system, that can't be a bad thing.
3: So we're getting into some other topics here tonight, but first we want to welcome a couple new members to our Patreon community. We usually have a shout out at some point during the episode uh, in order to get the interview in with Matt Blood. We did that first and we decided to make this sort of the transition to the next topic. So I'll let Bob uh, shout out our new members.
4: I actually, I think it's only one, but his name is so good that it is, it's, it's really, really worth more than that. It's Cannon Fazenbaker. Fazenbaker, love the name, Cannon welcome to the club he signed up for a year straight up the vet you paid for the full year up front and uh he's in the whatsapp group having a good time so welcome aboard
3: yeah welcome canon thank you for your support so the big news in baseball that you know obviously took place in between episodes was that jose Iglesias signed a one-year deal with the colorado rockies oh no 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 hold on yeah the lockout ended um the thing that we spent months talking about analyzing, overanalyzing, even though we were doing a minor league show, we, d- we didn't have to talk about it every week. Uh, it still sort of loomed in the background of every show. It's finally over. We will get a 162 game season. Uh, a lot of changes coming to the game. Maybe for some, it didn't go far enough in the player's favor, but I'll just start with Bob here. Having the new CBA obviously is good because we have baseball now. We can look forward to, you know, Orioles opening day, but what were kind of your takeaways from the deal?
4: Baseball is back. There are going to be 162 games. That's like, that was my number one. I, you know, obviously I'm rooting for the players to get what they deserve, but at the same time, I'm just like so sick of the back and forth and just so sick of dragging on. So Glad it was signed. First of all, I do think there were a lot of good things for the players. You know, they have that new pre-arb pool that they can go to, to get some players paid a little bit more money, uh, before they hit arbitration. I think that's a good thing to get locked in there for future negotiations. Uh, I like that. Well, I did like that. We were back to n- nine innings, no matter what, if it's a double header, if it's no ghost runners, but it seems like they might actually add the ghost runners back, which I'm not as upset about as it seems a lot of people are, but, uh, yeah, I think it's relatively fair considering how far behind the players were, you know, from the past couple of CBAs. You, you can't win it all back at the same time, so I'm just happy they're playing ball. April April eighth, right? Let's go.
2: Yeah, I mean a lot of good things there. You, you mentioned the money. I, I do like this extra money pool available to players um, that perform well. You know, minor leaguers are still getting paid like you know twelve thousand dollars a year, uh, less than that for rookie ball, but that's Another issue for another day, I guess. Um, the D- I like the DH. We knew it was coming, but now it's official. Um, I absolutely love it. I know I was listening to a podcast this morning of an NL team, and they were upset that we'll never get to see the Bartolo Colones or the Madison Bumgarner home runs ever again, and they're going to fill their DH spots with guys who hit 220. i I'm like, well, it's better than a pitcher who hits .013 uh, for the year. So I'm glad the DH is here in both leagues. I love the schedule too, uh, this new, more balanced schedule that's coming. Um, you know, Seeing more teams at Camden Yards, seeing more of the NL teams, seeing the Padres, seeing the Dodgers come to Camden Yards more often will be a lot of fun as just a baseball fan. I don't want to waste my money going to Nats Park to watch those teams. I know I could do that, but like, I want to have fun when I watch baseball, and Nats Park is—it makes me just sad inside whenever I go there. Um, but I'm interested – like y'all's opinion on I know like the optioning their attempts to to change the service time rules and service time manipulation and one of the things that was the optioning only being able to limit guys five times I think still that's too many times but I don't know if you guys think that's a good thing is I can stop anything or what are y'all's thoughts on that
4: first of all I I do love that more bound schedule that's going to start in 2023 that's amazing not just because you know we have to play these mountain of uh challenge in the al east with the yankees blue jays red sox and rays but just because like you said i want to see more if i'm going to get my son into baseball i'd like to be able to take him and see more of all around the league the best players but uh yeah now i forgot what you asked in the first place um five times yeah i (laughs) did yeah i think that's too much for sure but i think it's like one of those things get it on the books and then you can kind of you know work it down from there maybe it'll go down to four the next time and then three i think three would be a good number personally but I do like that it's at least on the books and now they can work on it from here.
3: Yeah. I, I still feel like five is a lot, but there needs to be some sort of limit. And Like Bob said, we can work on it from here. I do want to say this though. National's park is not as sad of a place to see a game as guaranteed right field.
2: <laughs> I haven't been there yet.
3: Yeah. That, that's not exactly the happiest place on earth to watch a baseball game. But, um, yeah, I, I think that five times is still a lot, but there there needs to be some sort of out for players that just are routinely optioned up and down repeatedly with the same organization. So, yeah, I think this is a good thing.
4: How about the draft lottery? Is this going to curtail tanking? <laughs>
2: See, I don't know. I hate First of all, I hate that it's 20 rounds now moving forward, which I figured we all knew that was coming, right? Um uh, I mean, obviously you can make the argument and I I get it that 40 rounds is too much, especially now that they've eliminated an entire level of minor league baseball. But like, I don't follow college baseball religiously throughout the season or high school baseball, but as we get close to the draft, I love just researching as many players as possible. I love the whole draft process. Um, And I really love, I know the stories of 35th round picks making it in the big leagues are pretty rare, but I love finding those diamonds in the rough and watching them develop it across the minor leagues. And that's just just me. Um, I don't care if you're a 38th-round relief pitcher. Uh, I'm going to follow your career. I want to see if you make it or not. Uh, it sucks that those opportunities, there's fewer chances for guys to break out, to have that moment. Um, you know, Maybe you're a Logan Michaels who retired a couple months ago, uh, and you only get a couple games in pro ball. But still, like he had an opportunity. So more of those opportunities are going to be gone, I feel like. Um, there was an interesting nugget thrown in there. This draft and follow thing. I don't know if you guys saw that, but if you draft a guy and after the tenth round, if they don't sign, they can go JUCO, and then the team can sign you. Like I guess they keep your rights, maybe, and they can sign you after the JUCO season. Um, I'm going to talk to Stephen Loftus about that next time. He gets all what are his thoughts on that. But with the lottery, like I don't know. I just I just think the lottery is dumb. Like, is it really going to stop much? I mean, if you, okay, I'm not going to tank for. Nobody's tanking for the first overall pick. I get that it's baseball. These guys are four or five years away from the major leagues. I, I do get maybe you tank to get that that pool. You want that bigger pool of money for the draft, so you can acquire more talent, get more players. Not necessarily just that one one pick, but like, okay, so I don't have to be the worst team in the league. I could be what the sixth worst team in the league and still get the number one overall pick. I still have equal odds as another team. Like, I just I don't I want to hear an argument why it's a great idea, and I haven't sought this argument out yet. Um, I'm not going to lose sleep stressing over this, but like, I just want to hear an argument as to why this is a good thing or why it was needed, because I, I just don't get it.
3: But. Well, you're not going to get it from me, so I'll just <laughs> say that. Um, I think that it's not on its own going to solve tanking. Um, yeah, Stephen Loftus talked about that when he was on So There are so many other things that you're going to have to fix if you don't want tanking. And I also just go back to the idea that I think – most fans would be okay with the concept of rebuilding if it took two or three years rather than five or six. And the draft doesn't do anything to solve that. Honestly, I don't know that in baseball you're going to find a combination of solutions that's going to make a rebuild move faster. But I, I just don't think on its own it's going to solve the issue of tanking. The only thing I guess it really does is, you know, Maybe a team that does go for it and has some bad luck is rewarded with a higher draft pick if you see value in that and the draft lottery uh, gets that. And then, you know, it's probably television programming. Sometime in uh, November or December, you know, an hour on MLB Network or whatever of ping pong balls bouncing around. Um, MLB has never had that. My guess is that it's never going to be to the level of the NBA draft lottery. But it's something. Um, but as far as tanking goes, no, I, on its own, it's not going to solve anything. And I think this is – I don't think the draft lottery is going to go away anytime soon, but I think that five years from now we're going to be talking about, okay, what else do they have to do with draft lottery to get rid of tanking because it didn't get rid of tanking.
4: Yeah, and the one interesting thing that I didn't realize until I saw it reported was that every team that doesn't make the playoffs, so 18 teams will be in the lottery. Uh, just uh, most of them will have minuscule, less than 1% odds. But could you imagine the Yankees just missed the playoffs by a game and then boom, first pick, boom, or second pick, something like that. That would be pretty crazy. But, uh, and also the draft and followers, I mean, that used to be a thing and then they got rid of it. I don't, I'm not sure why they brought it back, but I guess, you know, you take some high upside high schooler who's not expected to sign and it's kind of a backup plan in case one of your top picks, you can't sign them or, maybe something happens where you're able to sign them later. I don't know. I thought it was more of a thing before there was hard draft slots or not hard draft slots, but just uh, the slot values and the limit of the amount of money you could do in the draft, but we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah. I don't, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. Maybe like you said earlier, it's, this is one step, like the option thing. It's one step as they you know, feel this thing out. Um, Cause I just don't know. Like, I don't feel like attacking the draft is going to stop this if you're trying to eliminate tanking or whatever you want to call it, it's not like, you know, the NBA where you can go to an 81 year, you get that first pick, you sign one good free agent. If you're in the Eastern conference, like you can win that pretty easily. You win 50 games, you win the Eastern conference. Cause it's so bad, <laughs> but like MLB is not like that. So I don't know how you uh, attack that, but I guess we'll, we'll see. Um, there's Roberto there, the impact of the international draft. That's something that uh, I know, I think it was effectively wild just in an episode about that. Um, I'm interested to to hear more research about that. People, I don't I can't speak to that. Like my knowledge of the international side of the game, we're Orioles fans. Uh, we we're, we're just learning and now we're changing this whole thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is interesting. I'm curious. You know, I've heard a lot of good, I've heard a lot of bad. I don't really have a set opinion yet, but I don't I don't know if you guys have an opinion about the inter- international draft yet, but I wonder how it does impact. I wonder what the conversations are like with Kobe Prez and Mike Elias behind the scenes of Did they know this was coming? Is this where they already prepared for this or how is this going to impact the Orioles? I don't know, but I'm curious to
4: to find out though. I did hear that episode of Effectively Wild and I know that this has been on the table for a while. I think Baseball America reported that it was coming like three years ago. So I have to imagine they're at least prepared for if it does eventually come. I I don't know if it's better or worse than what the current system is i don't know if there's anything worse than the than the current system as far as you know recruiting these kids when they're like 12 years old so yeah i'm gonna just see how it plays out i i, I can't have an opinion on this i don't know like you said we're so new to the international game as as a whole so what do you think zach
3: yeah it's hard to know because i don't know that we'll know the actual structure of the draft until sometime this summer um because mm-hmm. they kind of you know Put the decision off a little bit, which was really one of the last big sticking points in getting a deal done. I'm not surprised that it has come up. I mean, Ben Badler talked about it when he was on here, and it is something that I think has been a priority, especially for the owners, for a long time now. Um, one thing that I was a little confused, but still sort of intrigued by, was I think it was saw it reported somewhere that the draft order would not be determined by win-loss record or by a lottery, but it would actually go in pods where you have these groups of teams that basically rotate through different parts of the draft order each year or every few years. And I didn't quite understand the merit behind it, but I'm not opposed to it. So it's one thing I'm interested in learning about if that actually stays on the table throughout this
1: process.
2: So I I did hear that, and again, yeah, because this still has to be negotiated out, so we don't know how this is going to look like yet. Um, probably won't till next year. But you know, if I did see that pod thing, and it'd be like what every four years you'd get your draft at or near the top of the draft, which you know I don't hate that. I guess I guess that's fine too. Um, you can continue to be uh, put out a championship ball club at the major league level, and still every four years you're going to get that talent. You know, there's not a, a Luis Robert. Or, you know, a Yohan Mankata every single year in the ad- international side of things, I feel like. So, you know, every four years, I still feel like that's that's fine. Everybody gets a fair shot at some of the top talents. Um, you know, it is going to stink when that there is that once-in-a-lifetime type prospect sitting there, and it's, it's not your year, and you don't even have an opportunity. Although I do think, now that I think you about can, it, you can, you can trade. trade picks. Yeah, so trading picks, like, still like trading, you know, bonus money, so... Honestly, I don't really care what the draft order is because I feel like if you're a, a good, smart, savvy team that's got a good international presence like the Orioles are building and you see that guy and you know it's not your year, like, okay, see if you can trade some middling prospects for the number one pick in the draft. Like, I'm fine with that.
4: Yeah, you want to stop tanking. Let's do this with the major league draft <laughs> pods. You don't know when you're drafting to the top trade picks. I mean, maybe that's the solution. It'll be interesting, at least. I don't know. Something more a new strategy to add something, you know, baseball doesn't usually have that many new things every once in a while. So uh, it, it would be something to talk about for sure. I guess the last thing we should talk about is service time manipulation. And yeah. How that dude. has been completely ended. I just hit my microphone. It's been it completely ended. So ended much no that
3: Bob's just almost knocked his microphone off his desk.
4: <laughs> I'm so excited. They, they put an end to it. Adley will be up opening day no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does it? Did did we in service time? I don't know. I
2: haven't really dove into this, so I, I don't know. But what I was looking at, like, are you really gonna bank on is it that first year? So like you bring Adley up this year, and if he finishes top two or top three in rookie of the year, it's whatever, it's good. You win, player wins, but or is it before he hits arbitration? First year. First year are you yeah. is any team really gonna bank on that, like gamble on that? Absolutely not. Like even Adley Rudgman. As great as this prospect is he is, you know darn well the Orioles aren't gonna bet on him winning or finishing top three in rookie of the year to get that extra year. No. Whatever. I still think he's the catcher on opening day, but this isn't gonna stop anything.
3: Yeah, I don't know how many plans this is gonna change. What I sort of feel like the final result of this was was the player enough players and enough owners just decided the Chris Bryant situation was so atrocious that they vowed it would never be repeated again. Because if the Cubs had held Chris Bryant back in 2015 under this system, he would have ended up getting that year of service time because he won Rookie of the Year that year. The Cubs would have gotten a draft pick. They would have gone to the playoffs. Everybody would have been happy. Um, so it almost sort of felt like, okay, that situation will never happen again. But I don't know, and we'll see You know, a year or two into this what it does. I don't know how – what it does to address, you know, the Orioles and Adley Rutsman or the Royals and Bobby Witt Jr. Like the Orioles and the Royals are both going to be pretty bad this year. And that extra year of service time for both of those players could mean something down the road. And I just don't know that they're going to be willing to sacrifice it, especially because with those looking at those two guys, especially how much do they really have to do to get into the top three of American League America? The year of voting? And I know that it's not easy. Ryan Malcastle, That's a perfect example of why you don't want to take that award for granted last year. He had a good year, and he couldn't get into the top three. But you also feel like Adley Rutsman could have a good year, not maybe a great year, and still get in the top three for rookie of the year building.
4: Yeah, it's definitely possible. So, yeah, I think the rule is if you are delayed your start time and you get the top two spots in rookie of the year, then you get the whole year no matter what. If you start the year opening day on the roster and you finish top three, the team is rewarded with draft picks. Yeah, I think – I think. I wonder if some teams might, instead of start delaying people right out the gate, look at Jared Kalnick last year. They delayed him to get that extra service time. But if they started him on opening day and he struggled the way he did, then they're justified in sending him down for as long as they want, let him rebound, he'll come back up, he'll still – missed that period of time to get him that extra year and he has no chance at the rookie of the year at that point. So I wonder if service time manipulation it might go from opening day till later in the season. I don't know.
2: I don't know how all this is going to play out. <laughs> My only question is we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, right, and see the article about how the Reds are bad for baseball, right? And they're ruining ruining sport. But Busteroni, right. where are you at? We're not going to see that anytime soon. So no. Yeah.
3: Yeah, if I don't wake up um, tomorrow morning and, you know, as I always do, check in on Twitter, even though I don't have an account on there and just creep around for a half an hour. Um, If I don't wake up tomorrow morning and see a uh, tweet thread from Buster Olney, Ken Rosenthal or any of the other national baseball writers about how the Reds are bad for baseball, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. (laughs) So get on that. I know you're listening, Ken Rosenthal and Buster Olney, get on it.
4: So are you going to be disappointed uh, first thing in the morning, Zach.
3: Yeah. I'll just have to read John Mioli's newsletter instead. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So speaking of which, we will have John Mioli on tomorrow uh, to talk about the top 30 prospect list of Baseball America that's coming out in the new 2022 prospect handbook. He wrote that. He'll give us some insight. We'll also talk about his new newsletter, Maximizing Playoff Odds, the Baltimore Orioles newsletter, which is available through Substack. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to go subscribe and check that out before John comes on the show tomorrow, because we're going to talk about some articles he's written there recently. We're going to wrap up this show, though, with news of experimental rule changes coming to the minor leagues uh, this year. We're going to see expanded pitch clock in all full season levels. The automated ball strike system will have a limited rollout in AAA. For the Norfolk Tides, though, that means they're only going to have it at Charlotte. Uh, so when they play the Knights this year, on the road, they're going to have it, but not at other ballparks. It'll be more expansive in A West. A few other things there. We're also going to see the SIFT band, I believe, every level below A this year. So it seems like MLB, um, knowing how the, its league is going to look in 2023 and beyond, uh trying to maybe iron out some of these rules before they get to the majors next year. But Nick, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Uh, some of these rules, I I don't really care. It's, it's fine. No one's really going to notice. My biggest one is the pitch clock. I am 100% yes. Put this, I think it needs to be strictly enforced though by the umpires. You don't need a minute in between each pitch. Like I don't care if a game's going to last three and a half hours. If it's constant, you know, playing, if there's constantly pitches being thrown, there's action on the field, I will sit three and a half hours. I'll sit six hours and watch the game every single night. Um, but it's the fact that you know it's three and a half hours and there's a half hour of dead time in there like you can get rid of that Um, so younger pitchers are used to this older pitchers can just deal with it like if you get rocked it's because you're bad not because you had to speed up your routine by 10 seconds put the pitch clock in and enforce it Um, like I can't believe they're ruining baseball with these bigger bases like I'm not even gonna talk about that one Um, the shift though like I don't I don't really know how I feel about it like I don't know, maybe I was having uh, Brian Baker on last week and he's turning me to this like old man, get off my lawn type deal. <laughs> like if you want to restrict it by having all four guys in the infield dirt, I'm fine with that. Um, but I also see the reverse where like the data is there. If the data says, put your defenders here, you're going to get the out. Like if I'm the manager, I'm putting my guys there. Um, I think that should be fair game. So, but at the same time, like I would enjoy more balls in play. I would enjoy more offense and action on the field, speeding up the game a little bit. Yeah. Um, Again, not, it's not this, everybody's the argument, well, the pitch clock will cut off 10 minutes. Is 10 minutes really going to make a difference? It's not about cutting 10 minutes off a game. It's just about getting action on the field. Um, the robo-umps too, I guess I'm kind of the same way. I, I am excited to know that it's at least in Charlotte, so Orioles pitchers will get a small opportunity to work with it. Um, you know, I, like, I do like that strategy of you got to learn the umpire as well. Uh, I like the idea of the umpire maybe giving that pitcher an extra inch If he's feeling it that day, not going to lie. But at the same time, like the right call needs to be made every single time. So I think that, again, you got to hone that and get that right. Because I know they've had a lot of issues with it in the Atlantic League and stuff. Um, Especially like if you're a guy like Cal Bradish, that big breaking curveball, you might have some hiccups with that. Um, But that with the challenges, being able to challenge pitches, I think that will, as long as it improves the overall call percentage, I'm fine with that. Bring on all those rules. But my biggest one, if I had to pick just one, it's the pitch clock. Bring it and enforce
4: it. Yeah, I was just nodding. I, I'm surprised I don't have a headache now. I was nodding so much agreement <laughs> with what you're saying, Preachel, and about the, the pitch clock. Yeah, as long as you enforce it, I think it would be great. And it's not because, like you said, the time of games; it's the pace of the games more than yeah. just the flat out time. So, yeah, the bases it's, it's fine. It's whatever the shift that is the one that I'm like. Uh, part I, I try to keep an open mind, so I can be convinced, but I do not. I'm Immediately, I'm not for banning the shift, but I want to see how it plays out, at least. At least it's going to be in the minor league level with three, like a ball, two a balls, and double a ball. Then we'll get plenty of, you know, data on that and see if it actually does, you know, get some more balls in play and make it more exciting. If that's the case, then okay, maybe I could get behind it. You can always backtrack, I guess, if you need to eventually. And was that it?
3: I mean, those, those are the big ones. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that I have mixed feelings on banning shifts because I've always kind of thought that maybe there's some sort of middle ground where you could limit the number of shifts that a team is allowed to deploy in a game and still have the strategy there, but not make it a constant thing where, you know, the number eight hitter for the Angels is up and there's a shift on because they now have the data here to know where the ball is going to go 45% of the time or 55% of the time. I I just, that to me does kind of take some of the action out of the game. And I feel like the goal, you know, if we're going to really fine tune the sport here, which is what is clearly a priority for, you know, the major leagues in the coming years, you have to find a way to introduce more action into it. And I think the shift is going to be part of that. I think the pits clock's is going to be part of that. And, you know, Large bases, though, I think you're just going to lose a whole generation of fans <laughs> with that one. I mean, they don't, they don't want the third baseman to have like an island. They want them on as narrow of a base as possible. So, what are,
2: what are you going to use? Softballs next? Like, come on, just forget baseball. I just can't. Fernando Tatis is hurt. Uh, Adley Retro is not going to start on opening day. The bases are getting bigger. Like, why are we even playing this game anymore? Why don't, why don't we become a basketball podcast? Are the Wizards good? Are they any good?
4: I don't, know. I don't know actually <laughs> but uh, i think they should go the other way i think the basis should be six inches and it's like you gotta really try to stay on that base <laughs> i mean it's crazy i don't know. who cares <laughs>
2: yeah. i would say i don't know the shift thing though is interesting discussion i think because again i'm not i don't have a hardened opinion either way i can be convinced both ways and honestly all of these rules give it a year Give it two years. No one's going to be talking about them anymore. It's like Bob talked about earlier. We don't get a lot of change at one time in baseball. Anything gets changed in baseball, people freak out. Um, You make a little cosmetic change to Camden Yards, people lose their (laughs) minds. Like no one's going to talk about any of this stuff in two years, Um, probably because there'll be something else to talk about. But like the extreme shifts I do get, like putting Manny Machado out in like short right field, like is that, do we need to be doing that like i i don't know that's the only thing that gets me but again either way i'm cool with it it's an interesting conversation i think
4: yeah i think a league a sports league has to be open to change i mean for me it's like what make the sport the best it can be don't just put your head in the mud just because that's how it has always been so i'm i'm open-minded i don't know i just it seems like i guess it's not that much different than like you can't stand in the box in basketball for five seconds or whatever, but I don't know. It sounds different.
3: And I I will say that I think experimenting with it in the minors is a way to know how it's going to work when it gets to the major leagues. And it does feel like with one of the outcomes of the CBA is going to be that the league is now going to have more autonomy to make these changes on a year over year basis. So, you know, do I think that they already know the pitch clock's coming in 2023? Yeah, but it would still be good to see what the data looks like after a full year at every level of the minor leagues. And the same with the shift. I mean, you want to see how that looks and, you know, what would be the best plan? Do you implement it on some sort of gradual scale if that's possible? Do you go full out ban one year? I did want to like kind of go to this point, though, because this comes up a lot with the shifts. Do you think it's going to change the, you know, outcome a little bit for some of these three-true outcome hitters that maybe have had to go more home run and walk in recent years because if you're, you know, Joey Gallo, you got an extreme shift on you. Now those guys, you know, might be able to put the ball in play a little bit more.
4: It's possible, but I still feel like a home run's better than a single no matter what, right? So, I don't know how much it's going to change, but just even just with batting average for balls in play, they might increase their average by, you know, 10, 20 points alone from that. But I don't think Chris Davis would have, uh, his career would have gone much different if the shift was banned per se.
2: Yeah.
4: I mean, that that's the thing though. Like you're not
2: going to turn a Chris Davis type hitter into a 400 hitter because you banned the shift. Like it it might be marginal improvements, which, okay. If Chris, if a guy like, we'll use Joey Gallis as he's still playing or, I don't know. Is there anyone on the Orioles a good example that gets really hurt by the shift? I can't think of any off the top of my head. But like, if you got a guy, if he's only hitting like twenty points higher, like, what's the harm in that? Right? I feel like that's that's good. He's not going to be a two ten hitter. He's not going to start hitting four ten. You know, it's it's going to be small changes, small improvements. And I feel like for hitters, I, I don't play professional baseball, so I don't know. You know, if you're getting that extreme shift every time, I know you have some people who just say, "Well, just bunt it down the third baseline, just tap it down the third baseline." Well, it's You can't just do that. Like, it's not that easy. Um, So, like, of course, I'm going to go up there thinking, all right, well, if I got this hard shift, I can hit. How many times have we seen that you look on StatCast and it's like a 990 expected batting average because it's hit so hard in a good spot. That should be a hit 99% of the time. Um, But, like, if I'm in that situation and I know, well, I can just hit a nice hard line drive and get
4: a base hit, I might feel a little bit more comfortable at the plate. So, I don't know. Yeah, guys, how, what percentage of the league is throwing above 95-mile-an-hour at this point with insane sliders? Yeah, just gonna just put it right down there. No problem. Not everybody Cedric moans, you know. So,
3: yeah. Well, the, so we'll be interested to follow how these rule changes uh, play out in the minor leagues this year, hopefully hear from the players firsthand during the season how it's affecting their play or not affecting their play. So before we wrap up tonight's episode, we've covered a lot. Um, any final thoughts starting with Bob?
4: Yeah, I think the one rule change that I forgot real quick was the robo-umps. And I'm for the, you know, automatic strike zone as long as they can nail it down. I don't think it's ready yet. So I think, you know, if you get it right, fine. But don't don't want to – it would be a, a catastrophe if they put it in there and there's balls going right down the middle. that are getting called a ball and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I would just say – you uh, only miss 100% of the shots you don't take or something. Uh, so I, ha- I had to put the question about Michael Eis in there. Let, let's get it in his brain. Maybe it'll it'll work its way in there, and then eventually he'll be like, yeah, I will do that. Uh, it was for the fans. That was for the fans.
2: We got to have lofty goals here. Um, yeah, this is this is fun. I always enjoy talking with Matt Blood. Uh, two-time guest now, Matt Blood, which is just mind-blowing that – Never thought we would get this big and here we are. And it's because everyone that's listening, like you guys, uh listen every single week. I greatly appreciate it. I know Bob and Zach do as well. Um check out Bob's piece on BaltimoreSportsLife.com today, talking about everybody's favorite pitching prospect. You're welcome because of Zach Peak or Zach Peak. Um yeah, he's gonna explode this year. He'll be in the major leagues in twenty twenty three. Opening day rotation. Bookmark this clip,
4: send it to him.
3: Yeah, that was an excellent piece, Bob. And you're talking to John Rhodes soon, or you have already talked to him, right?
4: I haven't talked to him yet, but we should get that lined up pretty soon. Hopefully this week. Yeah, that was stressful and a lot of fun at the same time. I'm trying to expand my repertoire as a as a writer. And did an interview and integrated those quotes into the piece, and hopefully it went well. Uh, I enjoyed writing it. Uh, I enjoyed talking to Zach, as always. He's he's a great guy, hard worker. I think, he, like Nick said, he's 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 going to blow up, and if if he doesn't, it's not because of any lack of effort on his own. The guy puts in the work, and he's got great stuff. So, yeah, thank you.
3: Well, we'll be back tomorrow night with another live episode as John Mioli, the author of Maximizing Playoff Odds, the Baltimore Orioles newsletter, joins us to talk about his work on the newsletter as well as in the new Baseball America Prospect Handbook. Thank you to Matt Blood for appearing on tonight's episode. And remember to follow us on Twitter at BSL in the Birds and to check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com where you'll not only find Bob's piece but other covers of the Orioles and sports such as college basketball, the NFL, and more. Be sure to join the message board there and hop into the discussion with fellow readers as well as writers on the site. Uh, for Bob Phil and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Sweden. You've been listening to On The Verge.
1: Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. because when you buy American Giant you not only get great quality you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country no pressure but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America you got to support the companies who are doing it right go to american-giant.com/mike to get 20% off your first order that's american-giant.com/mike for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early